Uh, what got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there uh, with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Get ready to channel your inner monkey because on this week's episode of What Got You There, we sit down with one of the world's best rock climbers, Paul Robinson. Paul talks about how he goes from a small town in New Jersey to becoming one of the best in his sport. Hey, Paul, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So for my listeners who aren't familiar with uh, your career, what would you say it is that you actually do? Um, so I am a professional rock climber. And what that entails is I have uh, multiple sponsors who sponsor me in different facets of the sport, whether it's gear or shoes or clothing or whatever. And um, I produce media for them and, and I rock climb all over the world. And it's kind of like a symbiotic relationship where I'm using their products and, and they're sponsoring me to climb and travel. And then with your rock climbing specifically, you, uh, you focus on bouldering, correct? Exactly, exactly. And bouldering is, um, there's, there's a couple forms of climbing. And most people are uh, familiar with uh, rope climbing, which is where you put a harness on and you're attached to a rope and you climb um, however many feet you desire, 100, 1,000, whatever it may be. Um, but what I specialize in is called bouldering. And bouldering is a very condensed form of climbing where you're not climbing that high off the ground and you're not using ropes. And your only form of protection is these mats that you place on the ground. And if you fall, you land on the mats. But uh, the, we don't really go that high off the ground. So the highest we'll go is maybe 25 or 30 feet. And um, you know, the mats really perform quite well. And when you land on them, uh, they, they absorb a lot of the, the shock of the fall. And um, bouldering is really cool because the difficulty is very much condensed. Um, whereas in rope climbing, if you're climbing for a thousand feet, you can have uh, difficult sections all throughout that thousand feet. But with bouldering, when you only have maybe 15 or 20 feet of climbing, uh, you have to pack in the difficulty in a very small amount of space. It's hilarious hearing you say only 20 or 30 feet. Um, we'll, we'll have some pictures of some of your climbs. And uh, that, that's not some short distance to fall uh, when you're climbing those intricate uh, paths. So, I mean, it's pretty unbelievable how difficult what you do um, is actually possible for you. I know I've heard in the past, for you, it's pretty much like pinching a playing card and doing a one-arm pull-up. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at times. At times, you know what I mean? <laughs> The, the, the grips or the holds that we use uh, very much, you know, they can, be, they can be anything from, yeah, like basically a, a credit card to um, a deck of cards to kind of like, um, I mean, a, a small book or anything like that. You know, I mean, it's, it's all these small protrusions that come out from the rock that, you know, we have to create a course in our minds that we think is possible. And try it over and over again until we actually complete it. Yeah, my mind is always just blown watching some of your videos and seeing what you've accomplished. Um, so that's been very cool. 
So, I mean, for you, I know we've discussed how crazy your year is, how much you're on the road. I think you just mentioned uh, before we started the podcast that over the last two months, you've only been home about 10 days. So what's a typical day like for you? Um, shoo. And I mean, it really all depends. I mean, lately, um, so I, with climbing as well, I'm, I've been very much getting into cinematography as well. Uh, shooting, climbing, shooting myself, shooting others, um, in the sport of climbing. I just felt like there was a, um, a lack of, uh, climbing media produced by climbers lately. And so I've been doing a lot of that. And I actually, I just finished, um, a feature length film. So a lot of my travel over the past couple months has been premiering that all over the country. Um, so that's been kind of wild and that's taken up a lot of my time, but a normal day of just like climbing for me would be, you know, it, you know, wake up wherever I am, whether it's in America at my home or Europe or Africa or wherever, you know, wherever I'm traveling to. And, um, climbing is a very weather specific sport. You know, I mean, if it's raining outside, you, you can't climb the rock. Once the rock gets wet, it's, it just becomes impossible to climb on. Um, so if it's like a nice sunny day, then, you know, I'm psyched and I'm, I'm trying to get out there and, um, and go climbing. And, and usually, you know, after breakfast, um, I'll try and be outside from nine or 10 AM until the sun sets. And by the time the sun sets, it's back home for dinner and, and sleeping early because I'm wrecked from that, from that day of climbing. So, I mean, on a day of a big climb, um, can you talk a little bit about your breakfast and then also anything you do to get in the right mental state for a climb? Yeah, absolutely. Um, specific things in climbing, you know, will take months, um, if not even years to complete. I mean, I've, I've spent a long time trying specific climbs and, um, they, not only are they extremely demanding physically, but they also become super demanding, uh, mentally and without having maybe climbed before for, for a lot of the audience who's going to be listening, uh, that might be kind of hard to understand, but it's, you know, imagine, you know, imagine if you were trying to, to complete something that like, uh, you know, in soccer, let's say you were trying to hit like a specific point on, um, on the goal, on the goalpost, you know, and you had to hit it exactly like a pinpoint and you tried hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And after a while you would just start to doubt yourself and you'd say like, there's no way I can possibly hit that pinpoint from 30 yards away or whatever that is. And that's kind of what bouldering becomes, uh, at like the highest level is you are basically hitting your head against a piece of wood, <laughs> trying the exact same movements over and over and over again. And, and once you, you know, you start to fall in the exact same place over and over and over again, it's, it starts to become this like self doubt where you get yourself into like this horrible mindset of, Oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to complete this climb. But you know, it's, and for me, like, you know, people always ask, you know, like, how do you get through that? How do you get past that point of like, well, when you've been trying something for months, what allows you to go back and try again? And I think for me, it's all about like the small successes, you know, maybe 
the when I tried a couple days before, I was able to do one small movement that I hadn't been able to complete before. Or from the start of the climb, I was able to get one move further. Um, and that, you know, that's really what you have to build on. And you, if you continue to keep that confidence, that's going to, that's going to be what's going to be able to get you up the climb eventually. So, you know, so when I wake up and I have like a big climb that like I've been thinking about and trying for a long time, I try and keep to a routine. I try and like not stray away from that, you know, because I feel like, Oh, if all of a sudden I start eating something different, then it's going to be, you know, then it's, then everything's going to be changed. So if I kind of stick to my like one direction of like what makes me feel good and makes me feel ready to go out and climb, then it, then that's like kind of like what, you know, what I tend to do. And because I've been climbing for so long at this point, like my, I know my body. So my body does not work as well as it can super early in the morning. So, you know, maybe the weather is going to be better in the morning, but for me, I know yeah, okay, maybe I'll get up a little bit earlier, but I'm not going to be out there super, super early because I'm not going to be able to perform at my peak ability, you know, at 7 a.m., let's say. So for me, I mean, I do, you know, a lot. I mean, my breakfasts and my lunches are pretty simple. And, um, you know, I'll do usually just do like an egg scramble uh, with a bunch of veggies and stuff like that for breakfast. And I try and stay pretty light until after I've climbed and then, um, you know, I'll do, I'll do like a, like a protein powder drink and stuff like that. And a bunch of like recovery type things after climbing. But, um, before climbing, you want to try and stay as light and, uh, not full as possible. So I'm kind of constantly eating like little bits, like I'll have a cliff bar while I'm climbing, you know, in the morning and then maybe something else in the afternoon, but never trying to feel full. Oh, I got you. Uh, I mean, that, that's fascinating. And I would love hitting more on the mental side of things a little bit later, because I know how difficult this can be mentally for you while you're climbing. Um, but thanks for, for sharing the, the food intake on what you're having during a climb and then also after. Uh, but I kind of want to rewind a little bit. How'd you first become involved with climbing? Um, so when I was 10 years old, um, a buddy of mine had a birthday party at the local climbing gym uh right outside of Morristown and i mean i it was it was crazy i mean I, you know all all of my buddies were going and and we were i mean we none of us had even heard of rock climbing before and, and you know and we just thought like oh this is like this will be cool this will be a cool one time thing that we'll all do and it's really cool that you know we started you know we're going to go out and try this new sport and I just remember going to the gym for the first time and just being blown away by, by what climbing was. And, and I want, and I just kept wanting to go back. And, um, you know, I remember when I was young, I mean, I, I like after that birthday, I, I, I told my dad and I was like, I want to go back. I want to keep trying this. And, and, you know, we would go back, but being from New Jersey, and not being from a state where climbing is really relevant there, you know, there was no guidance in the beginning. Like my, my parents didn't climb. No one, I, no one I knew at all in school or anywhere climb. So for the first almost year of my climbing, like I would just go to the gym for fun. You know, I, I would, I would climb 
the I would do like the, the rope climbs, but I would wear a blindfold because like they were too easy. But I didn't realize that there was so much more that climbing could offer. And then eventually there were some people that worked at the gym that kind of, I guess, saw potential in me and kind of guided me through like what climbing can be. Um, but I don't think that they even really understood the the level in which like what you can get to in climbing, um, especially too, because back in the late nineties, climbing was still a very, very small sport in comparison to what it is today. And on the East coast, I mean, it was nothing. I mean, going and I'm mean, going through middle school and high school. I mean, there was nobody that, that, that climbed. And, you know, I mean, I, I just remember like being in school and people just like not even understanding what I was doing, even though like it was my passion and like I was starting to see like what kind of future it could hold and like traveling and, and going to places where climbing was relevant. But, you know, growing up in a small town in New Jersey, I mean, it, it was wild. Like I would bring a couple of my friends to the gym or have a birthday party at the gym and they thought it was cool, but it wasn't anything more than that. I mean, it's so funny for my listeners that don't know, Paul and I are actually from the, from the same hometown uh, and I was actually attending that birthday party he's mentioning. <laughs> and so, so watching Paul progress over the years is one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen. So when he mentions that he had blindfolds on and would do these climbs, this wasn't your average birthday party climb. I remember one time, uh, I think it was the most intricate wall they had. I think the, the uh, gym might have been Vertical Reality. Is that what the place was called? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Something like that. And um, so I remember we went there and this most intricate wall, none of us could even fathom getting up a foot or two. Before we know it, you were up there in about five seconds. It, it, you were like a ring-tailed lemur climbing up this thing. I've never seen anything like it. And this was at such a young age. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is unbelievable at this. So seeing you now be one of the best climbers in the world, it, it's almost no surprise. But I mean, I want to hear more about your mindset and, and what you were like. I mean, here you are at 10 years old, realizing you have a passion for this. And what what motivated you to continue to get as good as you have become? And then also what gave you the right, what, why did you think you were able to, to do this? Um, huh, no, that's, that's a very good question. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, growing up, growing up climbing and like was, was really interesting for me because, uh, when I, when I was young, I mean, and, and this is a, a kind of your question has a lot, a lot more to it, but I guess the best way to start would be, you know, how, how did you get to the level that you're at today? And a lot of people ask me that. And I think, I think the answer is actually, it's actually kind of funny how it, how it ended up, but climbing is a very technical sport. You know, I mean, you, you can, you related me to like a ringtail lemur, you know, and you watch, you watch a monkey climb and a monkey is, it's so sure about every movement that it does. Like there's no hesitation and, and it's, it's, it just kind of glides up a a tree or whatever it may be. And climbing for humans is the exact same way. We, we don't look nearly as pretty as, as a monkey does when, when they climb. But, you know, I mean, we're trying to, to almost mimic, uh, their movements. And when I was young, I was even skinnier than I am today. I mean, I, I basically was a skin and bones. <laughs> and, um, 
And, and, you know, so what happened was, is I would, I would have friends growing up, um, you know, 14, when I was 14, 15 years old, who were older than me, much more muscular, and they were able to climb in a much more powerful way than I ever could, because I just didn't have the muscles to, to do the things that they were doing. But being kind of the competitive person that I am, I wanted to climb just as well as they could. So I had to make my own way of kind of climbing. And what happened was, is until I like went through puberty and really started to like gain any sort of muscle, I had to gain like the most incredible technique that I possibly could. Because when these guys were jumping from hold to hold, uh, like a, a, a movement that I could never do just because I didn't have the power or strength to do that, I would have to climb it technically and slowly and keep my feet on. And I think what happened was, is that my ability to build that technique and the footwork and the mindset of seeing things differently than others were is really what allowed me to get to where I am today. Because then all of a sudden, I went through puberty and I gained muscle. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have this technique. But now, all of a sudden, I have this, this power that I never had before. And a lot of people, you know, I mean, it's, I guess some people, when they get into climbing, they kind of skyrocket through the ranks. And all of a sudden, they are kind of at a point where they're either going to continue to get better and become one of the best or they'll kind of plateau. And for me, like I started and my like trajectory in terms of like becoming a professional athlete was extremely slow because I didn't have those muscle groups and I, I wasn't able to do what I could, what, what was necessary to climb some of the hardest climbs in the world. Um, and so, you know, you'll see 14 and 15 year old kids these days that are climbing incredibly difficult things, um, but then all of a sudden they'll plateau or, or whatever. And, and thankfully, kind of in, in my like career, I was able to start really slowly and kind of work my way up. And then once I was able to kind of go through puberty, gain the muscle groups, gain that power that I needed, that's when like. I probably around 16, 17 years old is when I started to do actually do well in competitions, climb some of the hardest climbs that I'd ever climbed before and really be recognized as, um, as one of the best climbers in the world. Do you now approach other things you're working on? I know you've gotten into surfing recently. Um, do you approach that from a technical aspect or do you just go out there and have fun with that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it just, in essence, I'm just a very competitive person in everything that I do. And, um, I think that that's like definitely, you know, it's, it's been good for me, but then it's also been bad too, because even, you know, even in things like, you know, like surfing that, that isn't, it's negligible, you know, it's like, I will obviously never have a career in surfing and, and it's not like, you know, it's nothing, but I still want to be like the best that I can be. And I look at, you know, I look at like my past successes in climbing and I try and, you know, use that because I am a very methodical person. And I think to be, um, especially in climbing, to be, to excel in climbing, you have to be methodical and you have to see like 
like, you know, you have to see a sequence on the wall and you have to see a way to climb something that, you know, if, if you don't create like a method and a system and a sequence, uh, you're never going to be able to kind of succeed. So, yes, I think I, I kind of take the same approach for everything. And, and you know, I, you know, in videography and in, in surfing and climbing, it's all the same and it's all trying to just better myself every single day. When you were growing up, uh, I mean, obviously at such a young age to have that dedication, you must have had some, some great mentors and role models. Is there anyone specifically uh, that you think had a profound impact on you? Um, yeah, absolutely. So growing up, um, you know, I started to do uh, the junior competition kind of climbing circuit. And one person... Um, who was doing that circuit was kind of getting a lot of recognition from a really young age. And he's about a year and a half younger than me. Um, his name's Daniel Woods. And, and right now, Daniel, you know, is, is very much one of the best climbers in the world. Undoubtedly, no one would even would doubt that for a second. And, um, and through my childhood, he kind of, he, you know, in the, when I was a little bit older, you know, it wasn't like we were really competing or whatever, but then as soon as we got to around the 14, 15 year age group. Like we, both of us were like, we're over the, the youth climbing, um, circuit. It was just boring and we wanted to compete with the adults. And so we started to kind of do the adult circuit together and he excelled, you know, I mean, even at a young age, he was, and people were looking at him like, wow, like this kid is going to be one of the best. And I think at, 15 or 16 years old, he won the, um, national bouldering championship. And that was, that was huge. And from that point on, you know, I mean, I kind of was always like in his, like on his coattails, like, you know, if I can just like, if I'm like trying to get to where he is, like, and if I'm training with him and climbing with him, like that's the person that I want to be, like, I want to beat him. But like, we've always been best friends, you know, like, you know, in competition, yeah, we want to beat each other. But then, like, we've been able to kind of climb together from such a young age, that I think, you know, him challenging me and me challenging him has been like the the way that the two of us have been able to to get to where we are today. Yeah, I mean, I think having someone you can rival yourself against really goes a long way in your own personal development. Can you talk a little bit about your two paths? I know you um, being so good at what you were doing at such a young age and then being, I don't want to say forced, but it seemed like your parents had a profound impact on you going to college and not being able to become a full-time climber at that time. Um, how were your paths different and uh, would you change anything about your trajectory? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's a good one. Um, so yeah, so he grew up in a very, very, very different atmosphere than I did. I mean, he grew up in Boulder, Colorado. So Boulder, Colorado is, for people that don't know, the climbing hotspot of the entire world. Um, you know, I, I go to Whole Foods and, you know, a lot of people will have like chalk on their hands because they've just climbed or the people at the cash register will ask where you just climbed. And, you know, it's, it, everyone climbs here. It's like you bike, you climb, you snowboard, you ski. Like it's, it's like kind of the sports capital of, uh, of a lot of America for, for kind of extreme sports. And, um, you know, for him growing up here, I mean, he had a coach and 
um, you know, he had people that were able to, to guide him through, through climbing and, and be like, and, you know, he was able to see a path to what becoming a professional climber could be because there were people in his immediate circle that were living the career of a professional climber. So he had that like in front of him. And then me growing up in New Jersey, you know, I had none of that. Like I, I never had a coach. I like didn't have really anyone that could guide me in climbing. And the only like professional climbing that I could possibly see was if my parents decided to buy me like a VHS of a climbing video so that I could, you know, watch it and see what it was all about. And, um, and yeah, so, I mean, we very, very, very much had different paths. And, um, you know, when I would, when I would compete against him and talk with him and, and in the beginning, I would only see him at competitions, but then eventually like our friendship grew and we ended up kind of starting to do climbing trips together around the age of 15. And then I was really kind of immersed in what the potential of um, professional climbing could be. And eventually, you know, I got to the age of 18 where uh, I was finishing high school and he was finishing high school. And um, my parents being very, um, you know, educationally based, especially my mom, wanted me to go to college. And at the time, all of my friends who I was, uh, you know, all of my friends in, in high school, obviously, you know, that they were going to college and being from Morristown, going to Morristown High School, it's, I, I bet probably 95% of us went to college. And, um, you know, and, and that was kind of her perspective on things. Like she wanted me to go to college, but then all of my friends that were, climbing and about to graduate high school because we were all kind of around the same age, Daniel and my other buddies, none of them were were going to college. They were going to Europe and climbing for six months or, you know, going and doing a, the World Cup circuit and um and climbing all over the world doing competitions. And, you know, at, at that point in time, like I really wanted to take that path. And I was so furious with my parents because they were, they basically, they said, you don't go to college, we're, we're cutting you off. And at that point in time, I mean, I didn't have nearly the career that I have today. Like I, there's no way I would have been able to support myself. I wouldn't have been able to leave New Jersey and I wouldn't have been able to, you know, do anything. So I was kind of put in a situation where it was like a no brainer answer. They told me I could go to college anywhere that I wanted, um, but I had to go. So obviously I chose to go to college in Boulder, Colorado, because, you know, where else would I go um, with all of my friends living there and, and knowing that that was like, if you wanted to be a professional climber in the early 2000s, like that was where you needed to be. Um, so I, atten I attended CU. For, you know, it took me five years to graduate. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was definitely difficult because, you know, when, when my friends were traveling and, and being able to go on multi-month trips, my trips were limited to weekends or spring break or Christmas break. But I think that that really made me cherish the, the trips that I was able to go on and really 
kind of try 110% whenever I was able to travel somewhere. And um, I think that that really has helped me like in my climbing, like, you know, even after graduating from college to, to not take advantage of a climbing session, because, you know, there, there was a time period when, you know, a climbing session was, was cherished because it was like in between doing homework or, or whatever it was. And, um, and, you know, and then now, like in retrospect, like looking back at it, you know, I mean, being 19, it's kind of, it's kind of tough to make that decision as to like what you want to do. And, um, you know, being 29 now, I'm like, wow, like I'm so happy that my parents like pushed me in that direction of school because had it not been for that, like, who knows? Like, I mean, I would have been in New Jersey and then hopefully I would have moved to Colorado eventually. But I think that, you know, having an education has helped me not only just in my climbing, but, you know, in, in every aspect of my life, whether it's just in my public speaking or in my artistic pursuits or, you know, uh, like working with, with sponsors to create proposals and contracts and, and whatever that may be. Um, and yes, like it was, you know, at the time I was like bummed, but you know, in retrospect, it was, it was definitely one of the best experiences and I'm so happy for it. No, that's some great info there. So I'm glad you opened up about that. Uh, one quote I've heard you say is I love sucking. Um, and, and you, you hit on the technique earlier. So, so what does that quote mean to you? Uh, can you just dive into that a little bit? Yeah. I'm, you know, I mean, I feel like, I mean, nothing, nothing in my life has ever come like super easy for me, even, you know, even climbing, like kind of like I was describing before how I had to kind of go through a process before I was able to really get to the point that I am at today. But I think that, yes, that quote, like I love sucking and, and, you know, it's, I, I think that anyone that has ever performed at an elite level in anything can can understand where I'm coming from, where when you don't succeed at something, like all you want to do is get better. And, you know, when I found climbing and I was able to kind of see what like a path was to get from a beginner level to an elite level, it was like I was so single focused at getting to that point that, you know, nothing could get in my way. And yes, I did suck. And I, you know, I really was not that good for a long time. And maybe, you know, I mean, in my local, like, New Jersey uh, climbing gym, I may have, like, looked like I was a decent climber. But in terms of, like, a world standard, like, I was nothing. I was like a, a tiny fish in the ocean. And, you know, that that passion and that drive of saying, like, Yes, I did love sucking. I wanted I wanted to be that much better. And like every day it was like, okay, like if I do this and I go to the gym and I climb, like I'm going to get better and I'm going to work on my technique, I'm going to work on my strength and then eventually I'm going to get to the point where I'm going to be able to hopefully be the best. I love the light you are shining on this. Um just your mental state. One thing I see so many people and so many parents do with their kids is their kid says say is trying soccer and they play for two months they're not very good and then automatically the parent signs them up for for basketball and then they play for two months and they suck at it and they're not very good and they go on to the next sport where you you understood the process it was going to take 
And the second thing I love that you mentioned is here you were in your small click in New Jersey and you were good for them. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the world stage, you were comparing yourself to the best of the best. And while people thought in in Morristown in South Jersey, you might have been very good. You were so far away from your goals and you understood the process it was going to take to get there. And and I hope the listeners really understand to get to that world stage level, you have to be that focused and that committed. So, I mean, just hearing your mindset and that, I mean, just sending chills down my spine hearing that. So that's very cool. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And then so, I mean, you mentioned about the technique and kind of your mental state going into a climb. What's your balance of mental versus physical? Uh, and then I'm also curious, are you familiar at all with flow state and kind of Stephen Kotler's work and Jamie Wheeler's work with that? Um, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Um, I, I do not know about that. But um, the mental and the physical. Yeah, I mean, you know, climbing is such a funny sport. You know, you can train for months and months and months and feel the strongest that you've ever felt. And then all of a sudden you go and you either try and do a competition or you try and accomplish a climb, you know, outside and you get shut down. And you just ask yourself, like, why? Like, why did that happen? Why, when I just trained for six months, like, specifically for something, did I not perform at where I wanted to? Even though, like, I know in my head that I'm so much stronger than I have ever been before. And that is really where, like, the mental side of things comes in. Because, you know, if you kind of, you can lock yourself in, like, a very controlled environment, like, let's say, like, a climbing gym where you have a fitness facility, you have a training area, you have a bouldering wall, you have a rope climbing wall, and you climb on that day in, day out. And then all of a sudden, like you're really, really strong in that environment. But then you leave that environment. And it's kind of like you're like a fish out of water, because yes, you're really strong. But you know, you need to kind of keep on top of like, whatever it is, like, if, like, if, you know, when I was training for competitions, um, you know, I was training in the gym and I was in that controlled environment, but then I was trying to do as many competitions as I possibly could. You know, I was the end all goal was to compete on the world cup circuit, but I was competing in local competitions and, um, you know, making sure to do like regional things and stuff like that, so that I was kind of always putting myself in a competition environment. So that then when I entered onto that World Cup level, I, I didn't feel like it was like the stress of a competition wasn't nearly as much because I had kind of been consecutively climbing in competitions and putting myself in that environment. And then the same goes for outdoor climbing. Like, and that's kind of what I specialize in now, where I'm trying to either repeat or establish uh, the hardest, uh, boulder climbs in the world. And, you know, I see myself kind of get into these, like these states where, okay, I'll go in the gym and I'm just climbing in the gym and, you know, it's winter in Colorado, so it's really cold outside. And then I can't climb outside. And, and then I, it's springtime rolls around and I start climbing outside and it feels foreign to me because indoor climbing and outdoor climbing are very different facets of the sport. And, you have, you, you know, you kind of have to have one to excel at the other. So, you know, I'm always trying to climb outside and always trying to 
kind of accomplish things outside to build that like mental strength and that mental side of um, confidence. And confidence, I, what I always say when I when I like have uh, like taught a little bit of climbing to others is that confidence is king. And if you don't have confidence when you kind of get into a a sequence of moves on a climb and, and in the back of your mind, you think to yourself, I'm going to fall or I'm not going to do this move this time. Like you are definitely going to fall. And like when it's, it's kind of funny because you start, like if you, if you watch someone that like has like a, a three month period of the, them climbing extremely well, like they will all of a sudden they'll go from not accomplishing that many climbs to then, you know, every week they're doing something really difficult. And they're just building upon the confidence that they gained from the previous climb. So like if, if you kind of go through a, a dry spell where for three months you don't, you don't actually succeed at anything, then all of a sudden your confidence is just like at an all-time low and you need to kind of build back. And so you say, okay, I'm just going to climb things that are not at my peak ability and like actually do them. So it's like you, you step down a notch and you, you start climbing. You're still training the same level that you were, but then when you go outside, you're climbing like one step below and you're climbing those climbs. And then it's like, okay, I did that one. Okay, now I have a little bit more confidence. Now it's like, okay, let me do a little bit of a harder one. Then you do a harder one. And then you kind of work your way back up and you're kind of building off the confidence that, is, that you gained from the previous climbs um, that you had accomplished. Confidence is king. I mean, I could not agree with you more uh, with my sports background. That's the number one thing I see in successful athletes is just that confidence they have. And then it's kind of funny how you flowed right into flow state without even realizing it. So flow state, um, from an athlete's perspective, you see a lot of action sports or musicians with it being in the zone. And what you were talking about there is how you're building on that confidence. And a climber might go on this three-month period where they're just nailing every single climb. And it's about being in that zone and being just so focused where time almost passes by without you realizing it. So it's kind of cool hearing your mental state about that. Exactly. So can you talk a little bit, I mean, you were hitting on it at the end there about failure and how you build yourself up after failing constantly, because what I love hearing is you mentioned you might train for six months for a specific climb, and then you just fail at it constantly. And here you are at the top of the world. And, and you're failing constantly every single time and you're just growing so much. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. And that kind of relates back to the whole thing of like enjoying failure, enjoying sucking. Um, and it's like, I think, you know, when I do fail at something, it gives me so much more motivation to go back and, you know, figure out what it was like, you know, maybe, you know, for instance, I had a climb last year that I wasn't able to complete. And then now hopefully returning this year because uh, the snows in Colorado will be melting soon and I'll be able to try it again soon. So last year I went to this climb and I tried it day in and day out for probably two months and um, I wasn't able to complete it. And at the end of it all, you know, I kind of had to take a moment and, and say like, you know, why, like, what was it? What was it about the climb? that I like, why, why did I fail? And, um, I went, you know, I, I, I thought I was like, I, you know, I didn't know in the beginning, it was kind of strange because I would, I would be, I would go to the climb each day that I would try it. And I would be able to do every single movement 
every, first try. Like it was, I'd pull on, I would do the bottom, and then I would somehow fall in the middle. And then I could rest for a couple minutes and I'd pull on in the middle and, and start climbing again. And I would be able to climb it to the top. And, you know, at that point in time, I was so kind of like single-minded focus that it was like, all I wanted to do was keep trying the climb because I, in my mind, I was just telling myself, I can do this. Like if every time I can do these moves, why am I not accomplishing the climb? But what was happening was I was trying this climb so much that I was losing any sort of endurance that I had. And power and endurance are super kind of like they coexist together and they, you know, they're very necessary to accomplishing something that's extremely difficult for you because when you find something that has movements on it that are at your peak ability, you have to climb multiple moves in a row that are extremely difficult for you. And that's where the endurance aspect of, of bouldering comes in. And it's a very different endurance than you would see with like a, a long distance runner. You know, a long distance runner is conserving energy the entire time to just be able to kind of like stay at a constant pace. Whereas with bouldering, you're in such a, a short amount of space that you're having to try 100%, but 100% for like 30 seconds long is actually much more difficult than it would seem. And what I didn't have going into this climb last year was I didn't have the endurance that I needed. I had the finger strength. I had the power. I had the technique. I had the footwork. I had everything that I needed because I could do every single move individually, but I didn't have the endurance to kind of put the whole puzzle together. And kind of coming back um, this year, I've been trying to work my endurance a lot more because I know I have the finger strength and I have everything that I need kind of to, to climb this climb, but I, need, I needed to work the endurance aspect uh, to kind of come back and hopefully accomplish uh, what will be maybe the hardest climb I've ever done attacking your weaknesses that's that's exciting to hear about and definitely looking forward to following that and seeing if you can accomplish that climb so what do you think's the number one thing holding people back from taking a risk and going after something they love which is something that you've done in your life oh um i mean i guess you know i guess just a lot of people struggle with um that idea of failure i mean i think i think so many people you know want things to come easily for them. And, um, you know, there's, there's no elite athlete in the entire world in any sport that has never dealt with failure. And, and I think a lot of people like, you know, whether it's skateboarding, lacrosse, soccer, climbing, whatever it may be, you know, we watch these, these pros at, on their stage, you know, when we see them and they're, we're watching them in a video or watching them in a, in a stadium. And they've put in those hours. They've put in that time to get to where they are. And, and people just don't understand that. And I think people, they, they think like, oh, you know, I, I want to I start playing like soccer now. Like, and then all of a sudden, six months down the road, they're still not that good. But yeah, nor was the best soccer player in the world. Like they grew up and 
they probably were playing against kids that were much better than them. But, you know, they had the passion and the drive to continue to push forward and, and, you know, continue where the others that maybe were good at the time just didn't have that drive. You know, I think that drive and passion is really what, what will take someone to, to another level. Yeah, on the road to success, failure is inevitable. That's for sure. Uh, so you just hit on passion there. What are you most passionate about in your life right now? Um, right now for me, I, you know, I'm most passionate about, uh, the adventure aspect of climbing. Um, I spent my early twenties kind of, uh, proving myself, I guess you could say, like I, you know, I, I, I kind of went out, I I started college and, and then I graduated college. And my main goal through all of that was to prove to the world that I was one of the best in the world. Like I wanted to go out and I wanted to win competitions and I wanted to climb the hardest, uh, the hardest routes in the world. And from about 19 to 25 or 26, that's what I did. It was my sole focus training for the sole purpose of climbing what others in the past had that was considered the most difficult. And for those six years, I did that. And that's really, that's like where my like true career came from is, you know, my sponsors and the media saw that I was climbing the hardest things in the world in a very quick manner. And I was, you know, making podiums at World Cups and, and stuff like that. And then you know, my passion at around 25 or 26, it, it shifted because all of a sudden, you know, I had climbed a lot of the hardest climbs in the world and I competed at that elite level and competitions, they were, they were fun, but where my true passion was had always been kind of climbing outside. And, and I felt like, you know, I had always dreamt of winning a world cup. I, I never, I never actually won one. I got third place as my best kind of placement in the World Cup. But I think that like kind of my true passion of climbing outside kind of led me away from that World Cup climbing. And, and maybe if I'd stayed on the path of World Cup climbing, maybe I would have eventually won one. I don't know. But what I didn't want to do was I didn't want to spend that the time and the energy that I needed to to win a world cup and to win a world cup, you have to put yourself in a gym for basically 10 to 11 months out of a year. And the reason that I loved climbing was not because of the gym. The reason that I loved climbing was because I loved to get outside and go to new places and, and test myself on the, the hardest boulder problems in the world. And so once I had kind of accomplished that and I had climbed most of the hardest things that uh, had been established at that point, all of a sudden I wanted to, to start establishing climbs of my own. And I, I wanted to kind of push the sport of climbing to, you know, to future generations. And I'd say like kind of that's, that's where I am today. Like that is my passion today is I'm constantly trying to do what, what we call in climbing a first descent. And that means to climb a rock that has never been climbed before by any human. And, um, you know, it's an incredible experience because you have, 
you know, when, when something has been done before, you know, in the back of your mind, like if someone has done this, then if I train hard enough or, or, you know, put enough time into this climb, like I should be able to do it too. Whereas with a first ascent, you kind of have this, this sculpture that you're creating, you know, you have this, this sense of freedom where, you know, maybe something that you try, you can't do. And, you know, it feels impossible for you and someone in the future might do it. But, you know, maybe then you work on it for a long time and you end up doing it and it becomes this iconic test piece of, of the, of our generation that, that then generations for, for years and years to come are going to test them themselves on. And I was always so intrigued by the people before me that were establishing these these climbs that were considered some of the hardest in the world that I wanted to kind of do that myself. So I've just been traveling all over the world for the past four to five years, trying to find new areas and new climbs to establish um, for for the future. Paul, you are someone who forged your own path and, and something tells me that Whenever your climbing career is done, whatever you jump into next, you are going to be highly successful at. So thanks for sharing about that. Uh, so one final question uh, before we connect my listeners with you. Uh, if you could have my listeners implement one thing into their lives, what would it be? Yeah, no, I mean, it's just find something that you're passionate about. You know, I mean, I mean, a lot of people, you know, I mean, that will be listening or you know, they've got a nine to five job and, and, you know, that's, you know, maybe that is their passion and that's awesome. That's amazing if that is your passion, but a lot of people whose nine to five job that they have, it isn't their passion. And I think, you know, I think if, if you can find something that you're passionate about, I think like we should, we should all strive for that because, you know, we all have one life, you know, and, and if we can't find something that like really like makes us want to like wake up every morning, like that's, you know, like that's what I live for is I live for like the things that I'm passionate about. And obviously climbing is that number one thing for me. Um, but you know, maybe it, maybe it is climbing, maybe it's art, maybe it's drawing or, or doing math or whatever it is. It's like, try, try as many things as it takes until you find something that you are passionate about and, and put in, you know, those hours. And if people think you're crazy, like, and if, you know, whatever it is, and people say like, oh, like, why are you doing that? You know, just, just ignore them because who cares? Like, you know, do what makes you happy. No, that's great stuff. Um, Paul, this has been absolutely incredible. And uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I hope we can follow this up uh, with a part two at some point, because there's so much we haven't even begun to, to hit on. So, um, how can my listeners connect with you? Uh, obviously we'll have everything linked up in the show notes with social media, but any place you want to direct them? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so a couple places. Um, my the best way to kind of follow me is through my Instagram. It's it's what I update the most. Um, and on Instagram, I'm Paul Robinson eighty uh, seven. So make sure to to hit me up on there. And then um, my I kind of have two websites. My my climbing based website is paulrobinsonclimbs.com. And then my most recent film. Uh, the website for that is unchartedlinesfilm.com. And I'll, I'll make sure to send you a copy of that, Sean, so you can check it out because we filmed it over the past two years and it's all about that passion for, for finding something uh, that's never been climbed before. No, I appreciate that. The trailer was unbelievable. So I'm looking forward to my uh, listeners checking that out as well. 
But Paul, I, I can't thank you enough and really looking forward to turning this into a round two at some point. So thanks so much and best of luck with everything you have going on. Cool. Thanks so much, Sean. That was what awesome. What got you there with Sean Delaney? Uh, what got you there with Sean Delaney? What got you there with Sean Delaney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.